hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from the Team Needham Abode podcast studio today. And I am super excited to have Gabriel Wrench back on our show today. You will not believe this. And I was talking about it just yesterday regarding this upcoming podcast, but he was arrested for singing in public three years ago. Yeah, as you will remember, you know, three years ago, our wonderful many, many city governments and local county governments and um, local state officials, uh, federal officials, they violated our constitutional right by telling us that, guess what, we couldn't gather in public we, we couldn't um, pray in public, we couldn't worship in public, and we couldn't say what we wanted to. Um, and and that those three things, freedom to assemble, freedom of speech, and um, freedom of religion, those are a violation of our constitutional right. In the Bill of Rights, Amendment Number 1 to the Constitution, um, it's, it says those things. And it, it's number one for a reason, because if we don't have those freedoms, freedom of press, freedom to freedom of religion, freedom um, of speech, uh, freedom to assemble, um, we've got nothing. We do not live in a free country. So Gabe is going to be updating his story because he got arrested for it, literally walked out and 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 escorted in handcuffs for singing in public. Um, we had him on our show to talk about it a few years ago, and he's going to talk about the update because guess what? He stood up to City Hall. This is in Moscow, Idaho. He stood up to City Hall. He fought City Hall, and he won. I am so happy for him. I am so glad that he is standing up because he is not standing up for just himself. And if you know Gabe at all, it's not about him at all. It's about justice, and it's about individual freedom and liberty. Because guess what? Whether you know Gabe or you like Gabe or you don't like Gabe, it could be you next, and that's what you need to worry about. So these people that that you think might be a little bit right-wing, left-wing, crazy, or whatever, standing up for liberty, just realize that it could be you next. So, Gabe, welcome to our show. Sean, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you. Yeah. I'm super excited to have you on. And uh, we do have a special guest today, too, because we're going to be talking about uh, activist judges. We're going to be talking about police officers just following orders. We're going to be talking about um, activist prosecuting attorneys and how they have violated your rights, um, Gabe. And it seems right from the lawsuit that um, you know a judge agreed. And we'll, we'll talk about how far your lawsuit um, went. Um, and so a special guest on our show is my my twin brother. Been on our podcast many times. No introduction needed. Shane, welcome to our show. Hey, thank you, Sean, and good to see you again, Gabe. And thank you for giving us a voice for activist judges and making sure that we can have medical freedoms and others. Awesome. So, Gabe, tell us a little bit about the background of your story. How uh, Shane and I were talking about uh, this yesterday. Um, we were discussing this on the phone, and uh, we, we think back and. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm laughing. I don't know whether to laugh or cry, but I'm thinking, did he really get arrested in public for singing? And and then you know, I mean, in my head it goes, no, he really didn't. Yes, yeah. he didn't. Well, so tell us the story. Video, yeah, and there's video evidence of it. <laughs> uh, if you guys uh, remember, so for your listeners, I live in Moscow, Idaho. It's a blue dot in a red state. And it's it's run by liberals, largely, you know, basically a liberal cult. 
of uh, from the mayor down and even including the city prosecutor. I mean, they're all they're all in bed at some level together uh, and coordinating and scheming against the, the, the conservative citizens in our town. And in 2020, when the pandemic happened, um, uh, Shane, you might remember this too, but when the pandemic happened in 2020, I think it was March 20th. It was either March 20th or 25th. My, my, my dates, I can't quite recall. The mayor, our mayor, signed a health emergency order um, that shut down downtown before we had one COVID case in town. We didn't have nothing in town. Nothing in town. Shut down all these downtown businesses, and he would go out and play golf at Elks Lodge, three miles outside of town, and drink beer with his buddies and and not and and defy his own health order. But he oh, could defy he, it because he would, he would attend multiple people weddings, like hundreds of people at yeah. a wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he officiated a wedding during his health emergency order, where he wasn't wearing a mask and not standing six feet apart. Um, I mean, it's just you know liberal cult hypocrisy. And and so he shut down downtown March twentieth. Well, um, uh, in April, uh, you know, we gave uh, my church, my community. I was running for a county commissioner. Uh, I gave the city, you know, a couple of weeks to try to figure things out for themselves, and then started. I, I was already emailing count, uh, city council saying you can't do this. This isn't right. That kind of thing. And then in April, I led an open up business rally at city hall, and we had about. 200 300 people at that open up business rally and they were coming down from Coeur d'Alene they were coming up from Lewiston um people were frustrated and and so we started protesting and actively um trying to put pressure on them to get them to relent on their shutdown orders and then of course the governor's shutdown orders became on top of that so the mayor um put in their shutdown orders first and then the governor I think five days later something like that put in his statewide shutdown orders constitutional shutdown orders because Brad, um, Governor Brad Little, I mean, really is kind of a, uh, a corporatist governed more by kind of corporate interest than actually conservative principles. And so that's what was driving him. Our local city council was being dribble, driven more by liberal, the liberal agenda, liberal um, view of the pandemic. Um, and then July 1st, July 2nd, the, our mayor signed a, a health order kind of extending that, that uh, initial March 20th order and including a uh, adding a you needed to wear a mask outside in public where you could not stand six feet apart. The, I mean, it's it, <laughs> talking about it now. It's actually, you know, three years I, later. I, it's very crazy. I'm sorry. It, it's, it's so hard to believe that it didn't happen. <laughs> OK, because, so, because uh, I want to make sure, Gabe, um, um, uh, we'll continue your story, but I want to make sure that we call these people out. Okay, so who was the mayor at Mo uh, of Moscow at that time? Yeah. yeah, so that was Mayor Bill Lambert, um, and and Mayor Bill Lambert um, had been mayor for I think going on two terms now, and uh, and then the uh, chief of police uh, that was kind of presiding over the so he would send cops in downtown with clipboards walking around making sure people were standing six feet apart or wearing a mask i mean it was weird watching cops just walk down town uh you know just trying to be a presence uh regarding the mask mandate um it felt it felt so, like a police state it felt like a police state. oh well and, and it just sounds like a police state and 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 by the way it you know it doesn't work to say you're just following orders. If those police officers are violating your constitutional right and they know it, and I'm sure many of those police officers did, it doesn't work to just say you're following orders. It, it, it doesn't. Yeah. And, and, and these people should be held accountable. Okay, Gabe, yeah. so go on with your story. Well, and what, I, 
Yeah, and what I found out after the fact in all this is there's a lot of businesses supporting and encouraging a lot of restaurants in downtown, supporting and encouraging and asking the mayor to shut down downtown um, and because they didn't. And they wanted all the businesses to be shut down downtown because they didn't want the one restaurant open to make money. So business uh, um, restaurant owners were emailing and writing letters to the mayor to, to continue with the shutdown. And and then I mean, why do you, why um, do you, I, that's the first time I've heard it. Do you think they just didn't want to work or what? I think I think some of them were very fearful. And but at the same time, it's like the it's like if it, you want everybody to be with you in it. You don't want to be doing this. You don't want to shut down your restaurant by yourself um, uh, because it, it looks a certain way. But if, if you get everyone to shut down the restaurant, then, then it's much better for you individually. Uh, but I think later, um, you connect the dots on all this, all these restaurants. I mean, Casa Lopez got over, I think, about $200,000 in stimulus money from the shutdown. They made bank on this. I was going to Casa Lopez buying food thinking I'm helping them. And come to find out, you could pull the data. You could pull the 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 covid uh, stimulus money and who got it and all these restaurants that were happy with the shutdown i thought we were supporting them they end up making tons of money off it and so i i just have made different decisions now on what restaurants i go to um and each city council member i think there's three or four city council members that made tons of money off the stimulus money art bedke our current mayor um brandy sullivan made uh, uh i think she made over 100 150,000 on all this um uh, I think Gina, uh, Gina, Teresa, her and her husband um, uh, got stimulus money. So they all voted to shut down downtown. And, and we lost three. We lost three thousand jobs in the first two months of the shutdown here in Latah County. Shutdown happened in March. By, by April, by excuse me, by May or June, we lost about three hundred three thousand jobs in our small county of about 20, 000, uh, 40, 000 people. Excuse me. Insane. So the shutdown happened in July. I know no one, no one wants to talk about this. No one in our town. It's a liberal cult. They just, they just want to act like nothing happened, and they don't want to talk about the facts of the, of, the, of the case at all. So July 2nd happens. They, they, uh, the mayor signs this social distancing masking mandate. Black Lives Matter comes through town not wearing masks. Um, some of them are. Some of them aren't. And they, you know, they do a protest in downtown. Nothing happens. And so my church is like, all right, let's start singing psalms in downtown. That's how we protest. Instead of bringing Molotov cocktails, we bring psalms. And, <laughs> right. and, uh, and, and so, oh, but oh, the, the government hates that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'd go downtown and sing for like 20 minutes, and that's it, like four or five songs, and then leave. Just make it a point. That's all we're doing. We're in a mob trying to route, you know, energize, you know, get people all, all frizzied up. We aren't doing that. We're just singing psalms. So we go, we do that, and we leave. And then, you know, they extend them order in July, uh, July 30th. They extended it to August 30th. And so um, we go sing Psalms again. And, and I went in August. I went and met with Chief Fry because um, I, I was running for county commissioner um, at the time also. And, uh, and Chief Fry was, you know, his cops were downtown. And um, I went and met with him as this candidate running for county commissioner asking him, okay, how are you thinking about this? And then after about an hour, hour and a half of meeting with him, um, I just I said, man, stand down. This is not going to end well. This is not good. This is not, not a good look for you and the cops. You need to fight against the mayor. Or you swore oath to defend my constitutional rights, my First and Second Amendment rights. Um, and he just, you know, kind of, I think, had a lot of pressure. I think the mayor put a lot of pressure on him. I think the mayor threatened him with his job. Um, I have... Um, 
uh, people from the inside have told me that. Um, now I can't get them to stand up and actually say that in depositions, but the people from the inside have said that, that the mayor threatened chief fry with his job. Um, and then they, they, the council voted in August to extend it. And then September 23rd, the council was meeting again to extend it to January 5th. So they're going to extend this social distancing masking mandate for three or four months now, instead of one Ar month at a time. Way, arbitrary dates, arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing's arbitrary and capricious. But here's the thing. I mean, to think that, you know, let's just think back about this. Let's just think back about the science. And I don't even like using the follow the science thing anymore because nobody ever did. They were just making up on the go. And there's even been people at the federal level that have admitted that. But how silly is it that you're extending this order for three months? Just where's that number come from? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's how... That's how dangerous the virus was, is that, well, we know in January 5th, it's going to be okay. Well, it's just and, all about power. Go ahead. Dave. And two things, yeah, two things there. One is it, that they're um, extending the arbitrary three-month order is just as arbitrary as the six feet standing apart. There's no oh, scientific no. data on, on standing six feet apart. No. Um, and, and so anyways. Nor, nor, uh, nor wearing masks for a respiratory virus. Um yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. Yeah. Exactly. We have 30 years of literature on that before the pandemic happened. Um, and, and, and you could argue the same way they try to argue, hey, our, our shutdown saved lives. You know, the shutdown happened before COVID got here. You could, you could take their same dumb argument and say, actually, what if your shutdown, your shutdown actually took lives? You know, well, your shutdown did, brought did. COVID. Yeah, I mean, there's just yeah. no logic behind what you can argue there. Anyways, so September 23rd, um, uh, they meet, city council meets to vote. I mean, we had sent, I mean, people in the community, conservative, patriots, libertarians were getting involved. I mean, by this time, it was more than just my church kind of getting involved. And there was thousands of emails that they received saying, do not extend the masking mandate. They didn't listen to the citizens. On September 23rd, they voted to extend the mandate uh, to January. Excuse me. This is September, Monday, September 21st. They voted to extend the, the mandate to January 5th. And so again, my, my pastors on Tuesday were like, well, the next day we found out what happened. And then on Tuesday, we're like, okay, well, let's do Psalm Sing on, on Wednesday, but this time let's go to city hall. So we'd been at downtown in the past. Let's, let's be more of a presence. You know, they aren't listening. And so on Wednesday at five o'clock, we kind of just set the top five o'clock. Everyone kind of gets off work, comes to downtown, uh, comes to city hall, the parking lot. I get to the parking lot and they had cleared out the parking lot and they had paid city staff to spray paint circles six feet apart in the parking lot. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. It is. Oh Worldview, you know, gets you to do the decisions you make through this whole cult process. So there's <laughs> circles six feet apart so they could objectively enforce the mandate if we're not. If we aren't wearing masks, you know, they can see we're six feet apart. They got cameras, pictures. Gary Ridner was up in, up in City Hall um, window filming the whole thing and uh, watching the whole thing go down. Um, He's the city supervisor. City supervisor. Yeah, oh. The retired city supervisor um, who never lived in Moscow or lived in Moscow, but lived in yeah. Pullman while he was city supervisor. Well, well thank you for uh, keeping – what's his name, Gary? Gary, yeah. Yeah, thank, thanks, and, Gary, for keeping Moscow safe. We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And and so we get there, and I look at the dots on the ground. I was like, was someone playing like hopscotch? Like that was my first thought. I was like, what were they doing in the parking lot? Right. Yeah. And so I and so we we get there, and, and then there's cops up against the city hall um, building, and then the chief Fry related to my pastor, hey, we're going to enforce this mandate if you aren't if you aren't obeying it. And so my pastor just turned around to the to the people that were in the parking lot. And I think there's a couple of people that weren't part of our church. So there's more than just our church, but it's mostly our church. Um, and he just turned around and said, Hey, you know, if you're, you could possibly get a citation being here. And then no one moved. It was beautiful. No, one moved. everyone just stood next to each other. No one moved. And then we just started singing and, um, and the cops just immediately, as, as the song started, the cops immediately approached my mom because she was a woman and they're cowards and they had to go to a woman first. I was standing right there, but they went to my mom first. It was, it was so cowardly. And, and then, you know, my mom said, you're um, with my son. And of course my son can, you know, family can stand next to each other. Um, that's legal. Um, and so there's nothing wrong there. So the cop comes to me and I just, I was like, I'm not playing this game. I put my hand around my buddy Tyler. And I said, this is my friend, Tyler. Um, and, and so the cop asked me, he said, okay, well, give me your driver's license. I was like, I'm not giving you my driver's license. You're supposed to protect. I remember I was like, you're supposed to protect my, my rights. You swore an oath to defend my first amendment rights, which I'm exercising right here. You swore an oath. And, and, uh, this is chief officer, excuse me. This is officer Casalt, uh, Will Casalt. He's a realtor in town. Now he retired after this. Um, a, a lot of and, people retired after all of this. Not one cop involved in the arrest of me or the Benets is around um, in the city MPD now. Just, but the chief of police still is, correct? Yeah, chief of police still is. Yeah. Um, wow. And so, Officer Crisalt, I was just like, I was like, you're here to protect my First Amendment rights. You, you need to be defending me against the mayor right now. We went back and forth. He asked for my driver's license three or four times. Of course, he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't reason with me. He wouldn't, um, you know, have a conversation. He was just there to blindly enforce this liberal cult agenda and so uh uh he proceeded this is the, the craziest thing about this he get he just gets weirder and weirder because he had to take my hymn book out of my hands to arrest me he so so my my ability to worship i mean like he infringed on my ability to worship in the most detailed and egregious way he had to take my hymn book away from me um and handcuff me and Chief Fry standing right behind him the whole time, Chief Fry. And I remember looking at Chief Fry because when I met with him in August, I said, you got to be like Daniel as chief of police. you got to be like Daniel who's standing up against this liberal cult, you know, running our city. And so I remember getting handcuffed and looking at Chief Fry. I was like, this was your Daniel moment, bro. And um, uh, as they're handcuffing me, walking me to the, to the cop car. And, and the, the psalm that we were singing was uh, Psalm 20. Uh, in Psalm 20, it says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God. It's a beautiful contrast of, of what was going on. So they walked me to the cop car, couldn't find the keys. You know, I was standing there at the cop car for like five minutes. My brother rolls up, my pastor rolls up, and just starts rebuking the officers for arresting us. <laughs> it, was, it was a glorious moment. Um, and then they put me in the cop car and drive me off in the and Officer Wilkinson drives me off to the to the county jail, and I remember in the in the car I was just like, "Well, I'm just going to get my money's worth." So I just start rebuking Will, and just like, "Bro, you are not um, upholding your own oath that you swore. You are following this agenda. It's crazy. You shouldn't be doing this." So that you know, it's about three minutes to the city uh, county 
jail and they get to the, get me to the County jail and they book me and I'm just every officer. I'm like, you guys should not have me here. Um, uh, Sheriff Richie Skiles, um, actually, um, fought to get me out of there. Um, that night, uh, he, he fought to me not to have any bond. He actually was awesome. Um, and all the Sheriff Skiles, it's, it's important that you have a good sheriff in your community. And, and remember sheriffs are elected not appointed mm-hmm. like chiefs of police. And, and there, there's a big difference that because they know they got to get reelected. It's yep. the same, it's the same reason those police officers, most of those police officers aren't, aren't at Moscow city police anymore. Um, yeah. you know, because they probably knew what they did was, was not going to mm-hmm. be very popular. There's other, oh, reasons yeah. here, but yeah, no, the gal in our depositions, the lady that was involved in the arrest of, I think it was Rachel Bonet. Um, she would, she, she was tearing up like five or six times in our depositions with her. She hated this. She absolutely hated that she got put in this position, um, and that and and she couldn't stand what the what the position she was put in. I mean, it was it was sad watching her tear up. Um, but she was like, I can't believe what was going on in my community, and here am I here I'm arresting people in my community while they're exercising the First Amendment rights. She just didn't understand any of it. It was really sad. Uh, so that so. Uh, now I have a criminal complaint against me. I, I arrested. I have a criminal complaint for disobeying the order, um, the social distancing masking order. And so I got to find a lawyer um, to fight my city and to get to clear my criminal complaint. Uh, and I find uh, a good lawyer down in Boise and Thomas More Society comes in to help uh, with this, with fighting for, you know, First Amendment rights and all this. And they were fantastic. They've been, you know, fighting this kind of stuff for 40 years or, or however, however long. And so uh, it took me three months fighting the city to get them to drop my criminal complaint. And in the criminal complaint, you know, I, mean, I, was, uh, I mean, they violated my First Amendment rights. And, and that was our argument. You violated my First Amendment rights. And not only did you That's violate my First right. Amendment rights, your own order says you can't violate my First Amendment rights. It was written in their own order. That's right. That they could not violate my First Amendment rights. So this is... This is, was like liberal cult agenda driven. They, they did not like my church. They did not like me. I was running for county commissioner and, and exposing all their silliness and all this. Uh, the guy I was running against was Tom Lamar. Um, uh, he, uh, he would go come and show up wearing masks, and then he'd take his mask off at our, at our debates and our Chamber of Commerce debates and all this stuff. And, and I just my contrast just made them all look silly. So the only way they could defeat me is I, I was I – was, arrested as a political candidate um and and um uh, they all were against me none of them voted for me they're all against me so i was politically targeted in all this and religiously discriminated against all this it was pretty egregious wow you know you know when you said that when you said that gabe something just popped into my head that's foreshadowing for things that are going on right now um just at the federal level it's it's yeah. it's it's unreal and this is why we got to stop these a- activist activist judges and activist pr- uh, prosecutors yeah yeah no they're totally running the biden mafia fbi doj play here just at the city level in our in our town yeah um there's no there's no there's no justice they don't care about justice what they care about is that everyone just kind of follows their liberal cultist agenda that they're that they're trying to push on the city of Moscow, so it took me three months to finally and I, um and and they asked for my so they finally realized that I was right, um they finally recognized it, and they called it a loophole. They call it that the First Amendment. They called it a loophole. They said, "Gabe, it, it, it is unbelievable." You go, 
Um, we submitted our. Where's that our, say that in the Bill of Rights? Is there a loophole in the right? Bill? No, it's black and white. <laughs> no, but this is this is how liberals think. It, it like it like if the law doesn't fit their agenda, then it's it's either a loophole or or you know or or they find a way around it. Um, so finally, um, they dropped the case on Saturday, January 9th, I believe, whatever that 2020 Saturday was. So on Saturday, Judge Megan Marshall um, dropped, uh, uh, signed, signed the, um, uh, the, the city's request to drop my, to drop my criminal complaint. Um, and so I, I, I beat them there, but, but they released the, um, oh, what do you call it? The decision, Megan Marshall's decision. They released judgment. it on Saturday on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. The judgment, they released it on Saturday because they didn't want any news cycle. They didn't want anybody in the community to see it. They want to, I mean, does a judge work on Saturday? Nope. No, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> so it's all this same little liberal cultish tactics to try to minimize the damage that they created in our city. And the judge was involved in it. The judge is compromised in all this. The city prosecutor is part of it. Um, and so after that, in January, um, I was talking with Thomas Moore and my counsel about what next steps we should do. And we were talking about suing the city. And so I didn't want to sue our Moscow police. Um, I, I wanted to sue the mayor. I wanted to sue the city. I wanted to sue Gary Reedner. I wanted to sue, um, those who were involved at the top. Uh, and so I went and met with chief Fry and separately officer Casalt because I was, I, I wanted to talk to them and, and, and hear from their side, what, what, what had happened and what had going on. And I met with both of them and the meetings were like, so disappointing. Um, chief Fry told me, he, he said in the meeting, someday I'll tell you about what I think about first amendment rights. That's, that's where we left the meeting. It was so, I was like, dude, I was like, that's not a good answer. You're the one holding a badge and a gun right there. Yeah. And, and that's then scary. officer Crisalt off. Yeah. Very scary. Officer Crisalt said, uh, if you, uh, he said, I would do it all over again. So he said, he'd arrest me all over again for that same thing. So, and that's why he retired months later because. Um, he lost, he lost it. Uh, and, and so after I remember walking out of that meeting and calling my wife, I was like, babe, I think I need to include the cops in my lawsuit and all this, because I mean, they aren't, there's, there's no, I have no, um, course of action with them. They aren't, they haven't changed their mind. They haven't uh, made any adjustments. And I think I need to include the lawsuit. So my lawsuit is, um, so now I filed a lawsuit in January, February against the city. And then kind of fast forward three years later, now in 2023, um, I won uh, my civil lawsuit, Section um, uh, uh, 1983 claim against my city. And it's a it's a big win. It's a big win, not just for Moscow, but it's a big win nationwide. Thank yes, you. absolutely. Thank you, and congratulations, Gabe. How did that and, work? And, and, I, and I hope I hope others follow. I, I don't how want these people it? to get away with this. When you sue the city or something, how did you get it all the way to the Ninth Circuit? Do you go to the Idaho Supreme Court first, or how does that work? I mean, who? What venue do we request? Nineteen eighty-three claims go into federal court, oh. um, and so you end up in federal court. Uh, and I'm going to remember um, that. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and tell me what a nineteen eighty-three claim is. Uh, nineteen eighty-three claim. Um, this came about, I believe, in the eighteen seventies um, to give. Um, the black community recourse against the city uh, that would violate their first amendment rights or violate their constitutional rights. 
And because apparently there was no mechanism for allowing um, anybody to sue if a city or a government official violated your constitutional rights. So that happened in like, I think 1870s when that section was written and put in play. And, and so it, it was originally written for kind of the racial discrimination that the black community was experiencing and, the, and their constitutional rights were being taken away um, by cities. And so it's a, it's a, it's a good law. And um, there's, there's some problems with it in terms of like um, the ability for the city to really kind of be punished through their actions. Um, but there's still some recourse there that we're working on. And, and our, our negotiation date is April 26th. So that's awesome. Do you guys know what you're going to negotiate yet? You don't have to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually have a call with my lawyer this afternoon to kind of finalize. We've, we've drafted it all up and everything. So, yeah. I can't wait to see it. How come you didn't sue the judge? Uh, well, because you have to um, – she didn't sign the law. She didn't sign the emergency order. She, yeah, you have to kind of connect it to the – to the moment and the damages that were created in the moment. But wasn't there um, an abuse of discretion for three or four months that she was allowing this to go on and you had litigation fees? Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to find out. Um, but uh, so I think, I think the play there with Megan is she really needs to be Megan Marshall's the judge in our, in our city. Um, she needs to be disbarred. Um, I mean, totally. she's, her actions have been pretty egregious. So it's not so much of a lawsuit issue there with her as more as a, an appeal to the bar association in Idaho to have her disbarred because now, here, she, um, I don't understand how a magistrate works. Um, Gabe, um, is she voted in or is it a, a committee, a commute, a committee? So here's in Idaho. It's a little weird. Um, the judge association or the judges or the, uh, the um, somehow there's judges that are put forward. There's three judges or four judges that are put yeah. forward or whatever. And then the people vote them in. Um, like so I, like not, people, are you saying me and you as citizens? Yeah. Citizens okay. vote them in. Yeah. yeah. So the judges are put forward, the three or four that want to run and, and, and are given the go ahead to run. I'm not quite sure how that process works, but then we, we vote um, yeah. to elect these judges. So, but, and also in all the, I mean, the prosecutor, our city prosecutor, Mia Batista um, and, and her assistant. Oh man. What, what's her assistant's name? It's been a long time since I looked at the documentation. Her assistant uh, left. She's in Seattle now. Um, but there's text messages during depositions. We got to pull all their text messages, emails and all this stuff. There's text messages back and forth between, you know, uh, uh, her assistant and her dad talking about how Christchurch is just a bunch of assholes. Um, talking about how there are a bunch of, bunch of religious idiots I have to deal with. Um, I mean, like, and, and, and this is the prosecutor who's prosecuting you. She should be disbarred. Yep, if those things yep, are true, right. she should be disbarred. Yep. Yep. Or resign. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's all sorts of shenanigans that went on during depositions where there was one meeting between Bill Lambert, Mia Batista, and Gary Ridnour, uh, and I think Chief Fry was there too, where we were not allowed to have access to that meeting and the notes of that meeting and the information that happened in that meeting because what they, they, they claimed attorney-client privilege because Mia Batista was there. But Mia Batista, I'm suing. I'm suing her. She was in the lawsuit. So if that, if that, that went to court, wow. that if, if that went to court, we'd get access to that meeting because attorney-client privilege might hold up and they can claim that during depositions but if a judge was there um he wouldn't let that that stand so there's also silliness during depositions very interesting and i'm calling you out megan marshall because recently you defied my attorney client privilege and i had to give records out that you didn't allow for your city attorney that is ridiculous that defies my rights it goes against my rights yeah. 
Megan Marshall, I'm calling you out right now. This is not about anybody else besides you being an activist judge, period. Yep. Yeah, they, they yep. made me give out my attorney's records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's attorney client. Yep. Well, isn't this Megan Marshall? You know, you know what Megan Marshall said? I'm too busy to review them. So just give them to, to the opposing counsel, all of them. She's too busy. As a taxpayer, I'm paying your $102,500 salary, okay? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be too busy. Well, isn't this the same? Isn't Megan Marshall the same gal you guys tra- in Moscow, Idaho, made national news tragically oh, um, quite a few months ago about four, four Moscow um, Univers- um, University of Idaho students murdered? Um, and, and Megan is presiding over that case. And didn't she give a gag order to the some of the victims' families that they that said that she couldn't talk about that they can't talk about the case? Um, is that correct? And I want to say she's getting she sued gave, by she the gave New York Times or something to the press. There are 25 news oh. organizations. Um, AP, Seattle Times, Spokesman Review, Crim 2 News that are suing Megan Marshall and the prosecutor in Moscow for violation of First Amendment rights, for, for freedom of press, freedom of speech, because she said you can't talk about the murders. I, I didn't know you couldn't do that. And you go read it. Go search Idaho, Idaho Supreme Court. It's going to be in the Supreme Court here in a little while. The process that she didn't follow is amazing. Megan Marshall... I'm somebody who hires and fires a lot of people. And when you're entry-level career like you are, I'm calling you out. You would think that you would dot your I's and cross your T's, Megan Marshall. And to hear things about knowing about your Facebook, how you hate certain individuals, and you don't like, for example, conservative white libertarians, males like myself, it's obvious why you rule against me. You violated my First Amendment rights. You violated my due process rights. And I cannot wait to take this to the Idaho Supreme Court, Court Megan Marshall. I suggest you stand down because this is going national. You are being sued by 25 news organizations because of the tragic murders that you don't know how to handle. And I feel sorry for the parents and I feel sorry for the press and the people that you aren't allowing to get information. It's very frustrating. Yeah, well, it sounds this is not it sounds like she's gotten away with this stuff. And and thank you, Gabe, for standing up and not letting these prosecutors, these police officers and and um, judges get away with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us some more about so tell us how much money you spent on your lawsuit. Yeah. So, I mean, just uh, I mean, I've so I've had to fight my city for three years, like months it took about three or four months to drop the criminal complaints against me to beat to beat the city on the criminal complaints and then three years to get any sort of justice uh uh, regarding the city violating my first amendment rights remember my first amendment rights i was right that's the right to worship i had the right to free speech i had the right to petition i had the right to stand there and you know, be there in public and, and on city hall parking lot, like uh, everything we were doing was embodying all of that first amendment. It wasn't just free speech it was worship. It wasn't just worship it was petitioning our leaders to stand down. You know, it was everything that we were doing. And so freedom to I assemble, had, freedom, freedom to, to assemble. assemble. Yep. Right to stand there. Yeah. I mean, to and those, you know, regardless of, regardless of mandates, regardless of, of orders, regardless of, of, of what law or legal ramifications, these judges, these police officers think that they're following. 
the law of the land is the Constitution. It is clear, Gabe. I don't know how anyone could argue that your freedom of speech, your freedom to worship, and your freedom to assemble was yep. was in, not infringed. So the the rest of it is, is is just it just muddies the water. That's what we need to focus on is individual freedoms that are being taken away. Well, and that's that's why this case is so big because yes. that's why this case kind of transcends Moscow is because it tells cities across the United States that the Constitution is bigger than you. That the First Amendment rights are bigger than you. That you as a mayor, as a city council, as a city supervisor, as a city prosecutor, as a chief of police in your local towns, you guys cannot transcend the Constitution. You cannot overrule the Constitution through your um, unconstitutional emergency orders. No, but let, let me let me be clear on this, and I'll, I'll get to medical freedom uh, on like custody battles and whatnot because I went through a pretty contentious divorce. And Megan Marshall. So I have been violated my First Amendment rights. I've been held in contempt in a frivolous charge. I went on a podcast talking about dad's equal rights. Alan Donovan, thanks for standing up for people. Father's Lives Matter. Find him on Instagram. Thank you, Alan Donovan. Megan Marshall, you'll see this video eventually. This is not about my ex. This is about you. This is about fathers. This is about mothers and equal rights, period. So whatever order you think I violated, I go on and speak the truth in a podcast, and now you find me in contempt, uh, uh, that's a criminal act beyond a reasonable doubt, which is just not true. I can't speak my truth. It's a First Amendment right. You've also violated my due process. Again, this is not about my ex. It's about you, Megan Marshall, period. You need to learn what constitutional rights are about. So I'm told I can't talk about it. I'm found in contempt. I get fines and back fines and all these other things. Frivolous, absolutely frivolous. But I'm told I knew what I was doing. But it's obvious from her background, her Facebook, who she runs around with in town, that she is obviously against me. So once somebody asked me, a recent judge, John Judge, you're the district judge that now sees this case. Well, what's the end goal here? How do we get rid of you guys fighting back and forth? Really easy, Megan Marshall and John Judge. Give equal custody from the beginning. I spent three and a half years. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Never been arrested fighting for equal custody for my children. Yet Megan Marshall at several hearings and stipulated orders said, oh, now we'll give you 25%. I was told in 2019 in February that I could see my children, three minors at that point, two nights a month and every Wednesday for dinner. Thank you very much. Two nights a month. Wow. Okay. How how benevolent of her. Oh, thank you. So then we had hearing after hearing, fight after fight. Three and a half years later, when one of mine's no longer a minor, one of them's 17, one of them's 15, I get 50-50. Okay? So that's how you stop the contentionness. Okay? And if you think that, 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 that males aren't discriminated against as fathers, go look up the stats. 83% of the time, the mothers get to choose custody. I know a case right now in front of you, Megan Marshall, where the mother has violated, violated custody orders 27 times in the last two years, and her her. Her, the baby's dad has filed contempt. I hope you do the right thing. I hope you throw the book at her like you did me. Because if you don't, it's going to be a big, big deal. I also hope you protect her constitutional rights. This is ridiculous. And so I am calling you out, Megan Marshall, any judge, any activist judge, get your facts straight in constitutional rights. Let me, let me tell you what happens with activist judge in a divorce case, Sean. Some of these things are happening in Texas right now, for example. Or, or let's talk about the vaccine. A lot of moms, here's what was happening. I mostly saw it with moms. They're the ones that usually have power in family courts. It's a fact. Hey, for you judges that don't let moms have power and it's equal, good for you. Thank you. Okay, but Megan Marshall, that's not what you have done. 
and I've seen it time and time again in Lake Talk County. Here's what happens. Mom wants the kid to get a vaccine. Dad doesn't. They go to court. The judge says, yep, get the kid a vaccine. COVID vax, whatever it is, right? What else is happening? There's a case in Texas right now. The mom wants to change the gender of her young son to a female. The dad says no. The door, courts say the dad can't stop it. So they're going to change the sex of this of this baby. Of, or this Unreal. And, and, and these That's judges why have to be we stopped. don't need activist judges. If parents right. can't figure it out, judges shouldn't figure it out unless life and limb is, is at stake. So if, that's if parents we, can't figure it out, then the, then the answer is no. They don't have a procedure. They don't have a vaccine. <laughs> exactly. You know, they don't travel across the country or across the world. That's yeah. the answer. If, if the parents can't figure it out, they're in charge, not the judge. Well, Shane, you're not the only one calling her out. I mean, she, you know, she's in a lawsuit for violating freedom of press. I mean, that is huge. That is huge. And um, Moscow is going to have a lot to answer for because of her or or Latok County is going to have a lot to answer for because of her. And she needs to be really careful in these murder cases because she is front and center across the nation. And it sounds like she's already got some pretty, pretty bad stigmas against her already. So here's what I've been well, told. With boy, I don't know what you're what you're. Go ahead. Let's, let, let's let Gabe talk real quick, Shane. Yeah. Well, there's a parallel case going on with my case and all this. Um, Weeks after uh, I was arrested in September 2020, my buddy, um, uh, Nate, printed up stickers um, saying, uh, welcome to Moscow, enforced because we care uh, on the sticker. Enforced because we care was our city's marketing tagline for enforcing the mask mandate. And so that and they had put up signs all over the town. Nice, big signs with a mask, someone wearing a mask or just a mask on the sign and that tagline saying enforced because we care. They had to. Didn't the sticker have a, a, a sickle and like it had the Russian. Yeah, hammer, hammer and sickle. Hammer, hammer and sickle, sickle yeah. in the middle of it. Yep. Yep. Hammer and well, sickle I, because. I mean, enforced Moscow, because we Russia. care. I mean, I mean that, that, yeah. that's not the Germany. That, that's Soviet Union stuff. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and so that sticker gate. So um, my, my, Nate, his sons, um, decided like a couple weeks later, uh, they decided to wake up at three in the morning and go and tag friendly businesses in town with that sticker. And at the same time, they tagged a couple streetlight poles where we're in a college town. So there's stickers plastered all over the streetlight poles in our town. And they tagged the streetlight poles. The cops come at three in the morning. It's like, I think six cops, five cop cars or something like that. Just Swarm these two. How did they, how did they find how they find them at three a.m. in the morning? Game? Did somebody tip them they're off? Walking, they were walking downtown. I mean, yeah, okay. I'm sure someone called. You know, it wasn't. They weren't. You know, trying to you know be secret about. It. I mean, they're just going downtown. Yeah. So how did the how did the cops you know? find them? Were the cops looking for them? I mean, that's what I wonder. Oh, I, I think I think someone called or someone. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how you get that many cops showing up without someone calling. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> um. And so the cops come, they handcuff and detain the 18-year-old, which Judge Megan Marshall later said that wasn't defined as not detainment. So they, they legally put handcuff the 18-year-old. putting stickers on a pole. Yeah. For putting, putting stickers, stickers on, a on a pole. Yeah. No, no. The liberal agenda is so threatened, like they can't handle um, free speech. That's what this is. They can't handle free yeah. speech. Um, and so they handcuff the 18-year-old, and they illegally question the 14-year-old without a mom and dad present or a lawyer present. Like, and then 
um, this is this has been going on for three years. My buddy's still in a fight. He, so my case so far has cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And my buddy's case, I think he's even more because he had two sons involved and him all got tickets through all this process. Um, the cops that night called the dad. The, you know, my buddy Nate comes down at three in the morning, um, you know, kind of tries to get a handle of what's going on. As he's walking back to the house with his sons, the cops let the sons go. As he's walking back, he hears that his son was handcuffed. He hears that his other son was illegally questioned without a lawyer present or his dad present kind of thing. I mean, just all this goofy stuff. And he's like, this is crazy what just happened. Anyways, three days later, something like that, the cops show up to Nate's house because the city prosecutor said, no, we're going to cite him. You're going to write You're going to write this up and cite him. He got 13 citations. I think 13 counts or something. His, he got thir- he got one citation and his son's got like uh, 12 or something. I, f- I forget the number. It was, a, it was just – they just stacked it up on him kind of thing. Apparently – Does this not sound familiar? Ah, it's recently in the news. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, keep going. Um, so this cop comes and, and cites Nate at his house with all these tickets and everything. And the cop's just like, I'm just doing my – I'm just doing my duty. I'm just doing my duty. Dude, the cops are – fulfilling the liberal agenda of our city prosecutor because they they weren't they didn't issue him a citation that night they're like we're gonna let him go they let him go so the city prosecutor came and said no we're losing gabe's case so we got to find a victory somewhere that's what happened right. and, and, and you know, they were losing they were losing to me and so they're going after someone that could, they could, someone in my community that they could hurt and, and 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 it's not supposed to work that way the, the cops are the ones that are on the front lines. They're the ones that arrest somebody for breaking the law. And then the prosecutor decides who they're going to prosecute, if they're going to prosecute something or not, or charge them. A prosecutor should not be saying, go find somebody so I can charge yeah, them. Myself. I didn't know, Gabe, I mean, I that, that is just that. how it happened. That is, that is ridiculous. Yeah. I thought they, I thought they charged them right there. No, no. Nope. Wow. Days later, days later. And, and here's the uh, chief Fry told me through all this is like, it's my, it's the judgment of my cops to enforce, um, uh, the law. So they, it's their judgment. So obviously it wasn't that in that moment because the prosecutor came and said, no, you're going to go cite them and you're going to write up as many tickets as you can. Uh, how many ever stickers, how many stickers they passed on, you know, a city poll right among all the other stickers, by the way, no one. In the history of this ordinance that they got cited under, which doesn't even apply to free speech stickers, it doesn't. It, it's a marketing. It applies to marketing, like yard signs. Um, the history yeah, of this ordinance. Actually, there's a state no one, law. I don't know Idaho, but in Washington, there's a state law that you cannot stop political cities. Local uh, ordinances cannot stop um, you from putting political signs up that because it violates your free, freedom of speech. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so um, there's and, and so. Uh, that city um, ordinance has never been enforced in like its 50 year history or something. Never. No one's ever been cited. No one's ever. Um, and it's a marketing, it's a city ordinance for like yard signs. Like don't, you know, we don't want yard signs on our city streetlights. You know, yeah. we don't want all this stuff. So in depositions, when they, when they requested photo evidence of the stickers on city polls, one of the photos that were given to Nate's lawyer and all this was a sticker Welcome to Moscow and Force Because We Care, plastered on a pole, and right above that was a yard sale sign, name, address, phone number. And they didn't they did not look person. good for them. They didn't cite that person. Yep. 
Okay, so now this goes to trial. So now, remember, this is an agenda. They're trying to get at me because I was a, I was a, a political candidate, a Latok County, um, County Commissioner candidate, uh, and then I was involved in a church that was protesting. Um, and so they're, they're going after us. And so they know they're going to lose my crim- They know they're going to lose the criminal complaint against me. So they go after Nate and his kids. So, so and, uh, time out, Gabe. Nate, mm-hmm. Nate, and his kids are also Christchurch members, Sean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay. can, you be- okay. can you believe that they just target like target? Uh, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, and then Nate's case starts to go to trial. He starts uh, during trial. They asked for a video evidence. Remember, there's like, well, something like five cop cars. Um, they all have dash cams. Uh, most cops in town have some sort of cam on their body and everything. They asked for video evidence uh, during depositions, and the cops lied and said they had no video evidence. It all failed. All all the video uh, failed that night. Dash cams, everything failed that I, night. I, I mean, I, when you think, of, oh God. And so, and, and so when when the cops got into depositions and they got under oath, they admitted after a year that they had the video evidence. After a year. So Chief Fry is involved in this. Uh, a number of the cops are all involved in this. The process, city prosecutors involved in this. They all knew the cops had been lying for a year. And then uh, once in depositions, once they found out the lawyer. So, so Nate's 18-year-old was being prosecuted by the city. Nate's juvenile 14-year-old was being prosecuted by the county. That's, I guess, just how it shakes out between juvenile and, and above 18. Um, the... 14-year-old, the county prosecutor, when he heard and saw that the cops had lied about video evidence, he dropped the charges. He dropped the the charges. Yeah, there's no case now. (laughs) And he allowed – and then he said as part of the plea bargain he gave him, he said to the 14-year-old, write a letter on civil disobedience. So the city prosecutor is like, I'm going to give you an opportunity for your voice to be heard. I'm going to drop charges, and I, I'm requesting that you write a letter of uh, talking about civil the importance of civil disobedience. And so that's the uh, Shane. That's the letter you referenced uh, before we went out live on the air. Um, that's the letter that Seamus wrote, um, and it's a beautiful letter. It's you know all the classical education coming through this this 14 year old um, coming. Into I mean, it's this. kind of it's kind of sarcastic. Like I have to write this letter because I was illegally charged or something. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure. Right. I'd love to see that letter sometime. So the prosecutor, uh, the county prosecutor was, was really um, uh, kind of saw through it all at the end. At, at the beginning, he was just kind of taking cues from the city, you know, cause the city and county work together. And this, when the county prosecutor saw this, he was like, I'm done. I'm done following the city on this. This is a joke. And so he dropped the case and charges against the 14 year old. So there are still charges pending against Nate and the 18-year-old. The 18-year-old, like, they went to trial in Moscow for someone posting stickers on a city poll last June. The trial happened. <laughs> and, and, and in the meantime, we, we, there's this Facebook page um, where uh, everyone puts pictures that have been uh, – uh, stickers, uh, pictures of stickers that have been posted on city polls. There's – Stickers continually be put on city polls here in town. Of course, constantly. and nobody's arrested. Um, <laughs> and, and no, no one, no one's arrested. Um, after uh, they got arrested for the sticker thing, um, they paid city staff to go down and take scrape all the stickers off all the polls in downtown. 
So they cleaned up all the poles in downtown, which just made it more obvious when people posted new stickers. I, I, I mean, these, it's it's like I, I mean, I don't know the legal terms. Obviously, I'm not a uh, not an attorney, but this sounds you know, no video cameras were on, whatever, and then later they were, you know, yep. um, scraping off stickers. That sounds like destruction of destruction of evidence. Isn't that like obstruction? Obstruction. Of obstruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the term, yeah. I, I'm involved in a lot of litigation at this point. I think it's called spoilation, spoilation of evidence. So in other words, you're getting yeah. rid of evidence and it's, it's yeah, a crime. Right. I mean, and it's usually wow. one of the, one of the remedies is you get an immediate judgment against the people who spoiled the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now this gets to the, this gets to the trial. So there's all the shenanigans between city prosecutor and and uh Ju judge megan marshall and all this there's all this um and so it gets to trial and megan marshall orders the um the defense attorney saying that you cannot make this a first amendment argument in court he was he was banned from making from bringing up the first amendment as a defense in the court with a jury there okay now no no one knows about reason. this the only reason she would say that is because that's the biggest grounds you had to stand on. And anybody that knows anything about a little bit of law, I'm not an attorney, don't ever want to be, but I do know this. I've read the Constitution. I've read the Bill of Rights. It is clear that your First Amendment right was violated in more than one way. There's four of them there, and yours, at least three of yours were violated. Um, Gabe, that, 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 was, that, was that trumps every other law. That was allowed during the trial? During during the actual trial, Judge Megan Marshall banned the defense from bringing up the First Amendment in the courtroom. How can, is that? I don't know how she can legally do that. How do you that? do that? That's incredible. As again, uh, she needs to be disbarred. I mean, this is this is a joke. I mean, she's this is a kangaroo. This is a liberal cult courtroom where well, it, where they define all the terms and, and they ignore the Constitution. It's turned Moscow into a banana republic. Seriously, judges are kind of controlling how it works. There's no rule of or or law of a law. I mean, it's sad and it's scary. You know, I, I have been told because of my high value to get out of Latah County. I was recently told that this week because they won't protect you because we don't so, we do not trust the courts. Right. So, um, Gabe. So how did how did the, uh, it proceed after you couldn't bring up? First Amendment right uh, violation. Yeah, so so the 18-year-old lost the trial. The jury ruled against him. So we're in this kangaroo courtroom, and they can't bring up their, their main argument, their central argument um, uh, in the courtroom. And so, and of course, the jury's left us here in Moscow, too, and knows. They know me. They know Nate. They know we stood up against the masking mandate and all that stuff. And there's people still wearing masks in town. I mean... A, a significant amount of, amount of people, surprisingly, still wearing masks in town at the stores and at the in restaurants. I mean, it's just in their cars, in their car, in their car, alone. alone. So this is just how they're so conditioned by the liberal agenda yeah. in town um, and from the exist and from the, what happened three years ago. And, they, and so the, the jury um, ruled against them. And so now they're on appeal. I think I think John Judge is their appeal. Um, in this process also, um, they have, uh, I mean, this will go to the Idaho Supreme court. Um, the city's going to lose. I mean, uh, all yeah, they're they, doing they, now is just right. making, but they use taxpayer money because they have all this money from taxpayers right. to fight these things Ridiculous. and push it out. And so 
my buddy's had to raise, uh, you know, he's probably, like I said earlier, he's probably had to spend more than a couple hundred thousand dollars on this. He's got a, he's got a fantastic lawyer that's, that's helping them with the lawsuit. No, you know, he filed a lawsuit. My buddy filed a lawsuit on behalf of his kids, him and all this stuff. Um, uh, so it's, it's a real, it's, it's crazy. I mean, remember, remember like we're talking about two things here. We're talking about me standing outside singing Psalms and I was arrested for that. And we're talking about stickers put on a city light pole and we're in a three year battle over this. So imagine, imagine if you were um, charged with murder in this town and you were guilt, not guilty and you were innocent and all these cops are overseeing this prosecutor is overseeing this trial. This judge is overseeing, and this is a, a high. The stakes are hot, much higher. Like you could get the death penalty, right? Like this. Right. This is this is the the justice in our town is so compromised by this liberal cult agenda. Uh, every everybody um, involved in this needs to step down or needs to be disbarred um, in, in this whole process. I mean, it's egregious. Gary Ridnour retired. Uh, Bill Lambert, the mayor that oversaw and wrote the resolution and signed the resolution, he retired. He stepped down. All the arresting officers that were involved, they've all either stepped down or moved out of Moscow and stepped away from the Moscow police force. But, um, uh, Chief Fry still left, uh, and a couple of the city council members are still left in, in all this. Uh, so there's, and, and of course, the prosecutor and Megan Marshall, Judge Megan Marshall, is still involved in all this. And so it's this, this is, um, you know, Biden mafia like liberal cult agenda and how they use law against its citizens they disagree with. It is. Well, it's, 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 it's basically, it's very leftist. And what I've found is like, for example, Megan Marshall in family courts, she sides with the woman. She is. Yeah. And uh, there, there's yeah. actually a lot of evidence that she's really in bed with some um, female judge or attorneys in town, like Jennifer Ewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll name name her out. Jennifer Ewers is a seventh grade attorney. Um, she's over her head, but she uses contempt as a as a threat and a power grab. It's an abuse of abs- absolutely power and abusive process. But Megan Marshall lets it happen because they're good old boys. They hang around the same people. I'm a male. I mean, seriously, that's just I'm just going with the facts. You know, I'm just going with the facts of what her judgments are, and she needs to step down because I'm not moving from Lake Talk County. This is my county. I own a very successful business here. I have my kids here. I'm not moving. So I suggest Megan Marshall sits down. But you know what? You know what a judge needs, Sean, in Idaho to be a judge? Five years of experience. That's it. I'm I'm honestly surprised it's that much, honestly. I mean, and I don't I don't think she probably ever went to trial. She was up with some firm up in, in Coeur d'Alene, and she she did some criminal stuff, but no 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 First Amendment rights stuff, no, no family law experience whatsoever. And she's just ruling by her liberal agenda. And it, it is very sad for people like Gabe and myself. And, hey, you dads out there, I'm fighting for you that are still fighting for custody and so on and so forth for, for your kids and equal rights. Keep fighting. Uh, don't give up. Well, and, and thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Shane, for, for calling these people out and, and standing up for justice and standing up for liberty. Because as much as anybody watching or listening might not agree with Gabe or might not agree with you, Shane, don't like you guys, whatever, the reality of it is, it could be you in the seat next. It could be you in that same seat. How would you like to have to fight City Hall? So when these people stand up to City Hall and win, thank you, Gabe, um, it's a win for all of us. So thank you so much. Now, Gabe, talk about talk about your win a little bit. Um, 
You spent a hundred some thousand dollars on attorney's fees. How far did you have to go in the court system? Were there appeals process or did you win in the first round when you sued the city? Yeah. So it was a three year, basically uh, section 1983 lawsuit claim went to the federal courts here in Idaho. And uh, oh, it, it goes to federal uh, court right away with the 1983 claim. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, it, um, there was no, uh, I mean, but once it gets to the federal courts, it, the politics of the matter go away. So it's just right. a matter of because, fact. It's a matter because of Because they rule on the Constitution. Well, yes. Gabe, why don't you— Your Gabe, Bill of Rights were, were, were violated. I read that judge's order, which isn't that it's true? So He's from the Bay Area, from San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Liberal, but yeah, but, but but your case is black and white. Your first amendment <laughs> right and was Why don't you yeah. talk about that judgment? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. He he wrote. Um, so this judge filling in because because um, uh, we don't have an appointment up up here. We're we're lacking. I think we usually have three judge federal judges in Idaho, and I think we have two right now. So it was a judge filling in from California, oh, wow. which is crazy. Oh. Um, and he wrote the decision, and he just rebuked the city. He said, "This is egregious. This is." Um, he should, this trial should have, this should have never gone to the courts. No. Um, uh, he, he said, uh, that this is just, um, oh man, what was the, the terminology was, um, something like this was just an egregious act of de- negligence. I think, um, something along those terms, I'm forgetting the specific words, but this is just such a, a negligent act, um, by the city and everything. And here's, here's the thing is if this goes to trial, if they do not negotiate well on April 26th, if this goes to trial, everyone involved could highly likely lose immunity in this process. And if you Woo. lose immunity, wow. then you really owe. And, and the, case, the facts of the matter of this case lend to the possibility, uh, uh, the high possibility that everyone individually would lose immunity. And they don't want that to happen. No. So, that's, okay, that's, that's I want to understand that process. If, if what goes to trial? So if they don't negotiate well on oh. April 26th, they're settling because you didn't go to trial. You, okay, they, so if you don't work. like, if you don't accept their terms, you can go to trial. Is that what is that the case? Oh yeah, no. This is this oh. could still go to trial if they don't if they don't negotiate well with us. Okay. This could go to trial, and then they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars more of taxpayer money and likely lose immunity uh, for the individuals involved in this process. Woo. Yeah, that's that's Keep not fighting cool. game. Oh. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, Keep th- thanks for fighting game. So we're, we're about out of time, guys, as we, we got to wrap this podcast up. So, Gabe, um, as we wrap this podcast up, what, what do you have a passion for? Yeah, you know, I mean, first and foremost, like my wife and children and family, I, I, um, I, you know, that's my goal. And all this when I ran for county commissioner, my main goal was to like lower taxes so my kids could buy a house in Latok County in the next 40 years. Like, it's crazy. How our current county commissioner makeup, except for one, um, they keep voting to raise taxes every year. Yeah. Every year. They just take that property tax and increase it. So they can have enough money to fight you in court. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nope. And so that was, that was my, my motivation, even for running for, um, uh, as a political candidate, it was for my children. Um, and so, uh, as a Christian, I think, our fundamental issue in all this is that our hearts are dark and blind with sin, and we need Jesus, and we need forgiveness of sins to live in the light. And that's why uh, we're, we're if, if it's clear, and it, this can't be clear moment for anybody to be able to see this, uh, we're living in dark times. We're living in times where the liberal agenda will literally mutilate children to be able to keep the power and to keep their agenda moving forward. They don't care about the kids suffering from these mental illnesses and the sin and this 
And, and these parents who want to do these things to these children, they don't care about those kids. What they care about, the liberal agenda cares about power. They care about, and they'll lie for it. And, and so we're in a real battle. And this isn't, and, and the Republicans are cowards. So the, 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 the predominating sin of, of liberals is lying. And the predominating sin of Republicans is cowardice. Uh, and, and there's just actually a study that came out uh, this last week and Daily Wire picked it up and wrote on it. Um, showing and demonstrating that conservative states are not operating off their conservative convictions. Even conservative states like Wyoming, Idaho, Alabama, they're voting in the squishy middle when they, they're, they aren't voting off their conservative principles. So conservatives are cowards. Brad Little, our governor here, was a coward. Um, you know, he didn't protect the citizens. He, he quarantined everybody. He doesn't have the legal ability to quarantine Everybody. He can only quarantine specific areas of outbreak. It specifically says that in our Idaho Constitution <laughs> that you can o- only quarantine specific outbreaks. And Brad Little quarantined everybody. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, and and then you're, I mean, you just so I think I mean the biggest uh, the biggest issue we have is a heart issue. It's a spiritual issue, um, and and we need to repent and acknowledge Jesus as King of Idaho, as King of Moscow, and repent and believe in Him and trust in Him. Uh, when when you Fight your creator, the one who created you, the one who created everything. And, and maybe at the beginning of fighting God, it, like things don't look that bad. But the farther you get away from God and the farther you coast off of Christian values that, are found, that our country was founded on, the worse things get. Liberalism looks reasonable when it's constrained by Christian culture. That's what you had for the longest time here in, 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 in um, uh, politics in our nation. The Christian you know, values that our country was founded on was restraining liberalism. And so it looks okay, it looks reasonable. But the farther you get away from the restraints that hold liberalism down, liberalism starts going crazy and turns to insanity. And that's what we're seeing in our nation. And conservative values, it, the farther away you get from Christ and conservative values, the same thing will happen. For sure. You know, it's already happening with conservative values. It's getting farther away from Christ and it's starting to look dumb. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm doing, I'm speaking at a, uh, um, a freedom and medical summit up at uh, Candlelight Church on um, uh, May, Tuesday night, May 22nd or 23rd. Um, so I'm starting to do, I'm going to be doing a freedom medical summit down in Boise. Um, so one of my goals is over the next 40 years is just do my best with the voice that God's given me here in Idaho. Um, when President Trump retweets your arrest, which is what he did in 2020, um, uh, you know, a lot, I got a lot of name recognition out of that and a lot of um, opportunity to uh, speak and, and speak into the politics in Idaho. So I'm going to be working on that hopefully over the next 40 years as God allows me. And um, I'm doing some events in Idaho. And the whole goal is to talk about uh, reimagining the, what conservative should be and talking about uh, freedom and medical, med- uh, 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 legal freedom, civil freedom medical freedom and dr jay Bhattacharya is joining me at candlelight church and i'm uh, uh on that may 22nd that tuesday night all details will be coming out people can That's attend awesome. it'll be free yeah. to the public yeah i'm familiar with him been in yeah. touch with him so yeah you'll yeah. have to keep us uh um updated on, on on that thank you gabe for standing up um don't you have a podcast too if there's any any way that somebody wants to reach out to you what's the best way to reach out to you yeah uh crosspolitic.com so i i, I host i co-host a podcast called cross politic um, Jesus is Lord over politics, uh, Christ over politics, Christ cross politic.com. Uh, and, you know, follow me on Twitter, GM wrench, uh, R E N C H, um, 
Facebook. I'm more on Twitter now these days than Facebook, like probably most of you guys. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, and then, of course, you can just reach out through us through crosspolitik.com. So. Awesome. Well, well, thank you for standing up for, for Liberty. I really appreciate it, Gabe. And Shane, as we wrap this podcast up, what do you have a passion for? So I'm a lot like Gabe. Um, I am also a, a believer and I do believe in Jesus Christ. And I, the number one thing that I really want is justice. And, you know, like Gabe, um, a lot of people, I mean, in this particular case, it's, a, it, it's about justice and activist judges. Um, but in my particular case over the last several years, it's been about fighting for dads and father's rights and equal custody, right? Idaho is, doesn't have equal custody necessarily as a law. Four states do now. So I'm here about justice and fighting for the people that can't fight. I too have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of just getting equal mm. custody of my children. That's not right. And the courts love that. The courts love the fees. The courts love the fighting. It keep, it gives them a job. I'm fighting for the dads that can't fight. Go follow um, on Instagram, Father's Lives Matter, Alan Donovan, Fathers Are Important is another good Instagram to follow. There's several equal rights um, for fathers um, on Facebook and Instagram as well. But I'm here for justice, period. And so I just want to keep fighting for dads and others who can't fight to make sure that we have a rule of law in place. Right. Well, thank you for doing that, Shane. And uh, we should have you uh, come back on our podcast uh, and talk about how important um, children's health is um, and when a father is involved in their, actually involved in their lives. So we I've love got that. great examples, as you know, brother. So I'd be glad to come on. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you guys for um, realizing our goal of our podcast, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. Um, if we don't have medical freedom and we don't have the ability to make our own individual choices and stand up for own and, and have a constitutional right of freedom of speech, freedom to worship, freedom to assemble, we've got nothing. So thank you guys for standing up and fighting. Thank you listeners and viewers for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you. <laughs>